I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. Today, I'm here with Kate Gunn, mum of three and author of Untying the Knot, How to Consciously Uncouple in the Real World, and a voice for parents who are navigating the end of their relationship but who respect trust and are committed to working through this for their children and for each other. And someone who has had the courage to share a story, which I feel is probably familiar to a lot of people, about from going from feeling really lost to whole again. And I think that the end of a relationship is incredibly difficult for anybody at any point in their time. But what really resonated with me when I read your book and when I hear you speak about this is this the, the dual-sided version of, of who you became, because on one side you speak of feeling the confusion, the loneliness, the isolation, the fear, the sadness, and then you have this list of the mum tasks that you need to also figure out and do, and you speak of this seemingly unbridgeable void between those two things when you're going through that process. So I think as parents who are navigating the end of a relationship and going through all of that pain but having to still function as parents is an incredible task. I think that is and thank you for having me on um, I think that is key I mean the end of any relationship is really hard and everybody has to get up and go to work the next morning um, but I suppose when you have um, children with that person number one you're never going to fully break apart you're always going to be somewhere in each other's lives um and then you have these little people that you have to look after as well as all the hurt and confusion that you are going through they are going through it as well so um it is a um, massively emotional time I'd say it takes everything not to fall apart um yeah and you know I did fall apart um and it was I was incredibly lucky to have a support network so when my marriage broke up, I was actually uh, over in Spain. So we had moved the family out there, I suppose, as a last-ditch effort to, to save things. Um, was it a feeling of the just the environment and sunshine and positivity or was, well, a change of scene? Yeah, I mean, it was. I think it was, it was worth a shot. And I also felt like I had to try everything. everything. So I needed to know that I had tried everything. Mm. Um, and at the time, Christian's parents were living over there and it was a lovely lifestyle and we both had jobs that we could uh, bring over with us. 
Um, so, I, it, you know, I still think it was something that, that, you know, it didn't work out and it was very hard for the family and for the children. Um, How long were you married at this point? Oh, um, 10 years. Okay. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, and the children were five, Your, seven and you nine. Th- three children. Your lives are incredibly knitted together after that length of time. Yeah, absolutely. And in some ways, I suppose that move to Spain made it easier to break apart because even with the logistics of, say, you know, the family home, we had moved out of that into yes. a new space. So it was a case of nobody moving out. It was just getting back home, really, at that stage. And the moment where you finally accepted it in yourself, because I'd imagine you're thinking this for quite some time before the you know the final mm-hmm. decision but what does it feel like when you just f- you acknowledge and you accept that actually no this this is it yeah and I think that's you know anyone who uh, believes in marriage you know and and I do um it's not a decision that is ever taken lightly um it takes years to get to that point mm-hmm. um and I remember very clearly um sitting on the top stair with my daughter and we'd had like a bust up the day before and I just remember saying to her you know this is not how it's supposed to be and I didn't want her learning about relationships Mm. like that Um, and that was the penny dropping for me. Mm. But we hear so much about oh families staying together but really what's important is that you provide an environment for your children where they Mm. witness two very happy healthy Mm -hmm. parents. Yeah. And if that means not living together and not Mm. locked into this relationship together. Mm. And I absolutely know it was the right thing for us. But even then, it was incredibly hard. So for people who are going through it, who, you know, are in doubt or who didn't choose this way, I think, you know, that's that's even harder. (laughs) So you came to the conclusion, but then you have to tell them. Mm -hmm. And imagine that's an incredibly difficult moment. very hard and you know I was googling yeah <laughs> how to tell your children <laughs> <laughs> did it have an answer um, and I had lots of answers and I kind of cherry-picked bits that I felt fitted yeah. to us um, and they were age-appropriate as well because age-appropriate is really important and you're dealing with different ages yeah. so there's different types of understanding and yeah. what each you know what you're saying to each one um, and you know it gave good guidelines of kind of trying to to put the message in an age-appropriate way both of you together giving you know a united kind of front um so we did um as much of that as we could um christian suffers from um depression and he was in a very low slump so he was kind of physically there but not um supportively there I okay suppose. um so we told them um and I suppose in a, in a, I took the cowards, <laughs> cowards way and kind of glossed over it by the fact that we were going back to Ireland and that was what they wanted. I don't think there is a cowardly way uh, to be fair. So, you it's know, I did. Well, I did. You know, as much as yeah. I could, and you know, the little one just wanted to get down from the kitchen table and go out and play football. Yeah. Um, and you know, I could see kind of the understanding passing across the older ones. So you told them that you were going back to Ireland with them. But that Christian wasn't. Um, well, yeah, we didn't. We didn't fully know, and you're supposed to kind of uh, have as much information, really, to give them security, mm. so they know where they're going, where they're going to be sleeping, who's going to be in the house, all of that kind of things. Um, we didn't know for sure, so um, Christian hadn't decided really at that point what he was what he was going to do, do um, and wasn't really in a in a mental position to make that decision. 
Um, but I knew that for the children, the best thing was to get them back home to Ireland to their support network. Um, so that was the one thing we did know. Um, so we told them in, in you know, a, a, as much as we could without fabricating um, information about what would happen next. And you, throughout this, I'd imagine pretending to be incredibly strong and yeah. in control of it all. Yeah, absolutely, because I didn't want them to see me fall apart. They already, you know, had their own issues going on. They were already dealing with this information. Um, they were already seeing their dad in a bad place. So, um, yeah, had to be the strong one and full of positivity and, you know, everything's going to be great. And, you know, I think I did that too, 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 too far, you know, I was trying mm. to make everything mm. positive and it's a kind of okay to say to them, you know, this is crap and, yeah, you know, this, you're this sad, is hurting me. Sad. Yeah. Um, so that was something learned in, in hindsight, I think. You do speak in the book about this. It's a, it's a really beautiful moment and I was at your book launch and it was read out and it really just, it just hit everyone in the room. Mm. But this vision of you in bed with your three little kids wrapped around you mm. and the strength that you were getting from them that they didn't even know they were yeah. giving you and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah I get emotional thinking about it even now because I was lying in a big queen-size bed with the three of them wrapped around me and you know it was like late at night and the darkness and all that um, and we were still in Spain at this time and Christian was in a separate room dealing with his demons. Yeah. Um, and that was, it, it was, I suppose, an important moment because it put me into his, his headspace. And I think that's really important when you're separating that nobody is um, getting out without, you know, going through issues. So, yes, you're in pain. Yes, the kids are in pain. But your partner or ex-partner is in pain and going through yeah. things too. And it's really important to understand that that everybody has feelings yeah. in this relationship breakdown everyone suffers mm. so you came back to Ireland yes and you came back to the security of where you grew up and your family and your friends but I'd imagine there's a feeling of did I fail am I coming back to a stigma yeah. am I coming back to um absolutely um and that is really hard and something that exists very much, that whole um, stigma of the single mom. And, um, you know, I, I write in the book, um, I can read out a little pack yeah, just about do. that. Um, because I had envisioned my life very differently, very differently. to coming yeah. back as a single mom. Um, so I wrote, uh, I am now a single mother. My children are from a broken home and we are broke. The words stick in my throat, single mother. I haven't yet been able to bring myself to say it out loud. It is not who I am, and I am not what I associate with a single mother to be. For all my nice middle-class liberalism, the term is still loaded with negative notions for me. I am the worst kind of fake liberal, supportive and understanding, as long as it doesn't come too close. Um, and that is the point, you know, we're all like, oh yeah, single mothers are right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless it's us. Unless and it's then us. you feel you're being judged, and you know, that first school run, when I had to go back to the school that the, the kids had been out of uh, or in, and then we'd pulled them out of to go to Spain and then we'd gone back again. So I was coming back as a, as a double failure. You know, my move abroad hadn't worked and my marriage had broken down. And then to face all the school mums with that. Um, but it's probably your own sense of shame. Totally. It's not it actually the head. people around you. No, and they were incredibly lovely. And as soon as, you know, I told them like a little part of the story, you know, like 
every story you tell, somebody can relate and their stories poured out of, you know, people like sisters who were stuck in unhappy marriages or somebody else who, you know, parents hadn't split up and should have and they were damaged by it. So, you know, as I say, great believer in sharing your stories and that's how they come back to you and that's how you learn and get healing from them. And is that what led to you deciding you're going to just put everything down on paper? Um, yeah, partly. Um, it was partly because I like that's what I needed when I was going through the worst of it. So it was like a cathartic um, exercise for your head. So it was. It was really cathartic writing it, and I really enjoyed the process. But the whole premise of it came about when I was in Spain and searching. Um, everything online and books and blogs and for those personal stories because what I needed was to know that there was hope at the end and that my kids wouldn't be damaged for life and that I would be okay. That you weren't the the last person to go through this. No, but it's very hard to find those personal stories. You know, there's experts out there who will, um, you know, child psychologists who will tell you the best way to tell your children or lawyers that will tell you the best way to split up the money, but there's not those personal stories so that's what I felt I was missing and I felt there was a need for and we know from working at every mum the value and the the benefit of anybody hearing other personal stories Mm. and feeling connections and feeling you know there's Brene Brown speaks a lot about how shame multiplies through silence Mm. and once you speak it and once you share it and then people go oh yeah that's okay yeah Yeah. I I I felt like that or I know somebody who went through that and all of a sudden this this demon Mm. that keeps magnifying has no power anymore it loses its power and actually you're just living a story and you just have to get to the next chapter that that is what happened like it suddenly became you know the shame of the single mom um became something I was really proud of you know yeah and I got through it and people didn't see me as a failure they saw me as really brave of, of getting through that um ordeal um so it is and, and I don't think that would have happened without the conversations you know and opening up so it's a process I'd imagine and it's a very lengthy process and no process for anybody would be the same yeah. but y- you went through phases of I suppose, not recovery, because I'm not sure anybody is mm-hmm. ever fixed from anything, mm-hmm. but a process of going from lost to whole. Mm. And the book is one of those those steps. Mm-hmm. But you changed your lifestyle as well. Um, you made the decision to to focus on you and to be at your healthiest and to remove alcohol was one of the things that you decided to do. Um, yeah, that came a little bit down the line um, uh, and was kind of accidental um I suppose first of all was the whole building your strength and in the early days I think what a lot of um women I've spoken to in that situation do is building their nest and that is really Mm. important you know it's just wherever they're going to be with their children it could be just buying cushions and throws or you know putting up pictures or you know, a couple of us painted our bedrooms pink. (laughs) It was like, you know, this is my space Mm -hmm. and my little nest. And um, I think that's kind of a first step in in the recovery, as you call it. Um, So that... You need to find your place again. Initially was, yeah, very kind of comforting and coziness. And that was all I was capable of and watching box sets of Downton Abbey and things like that. Um, And then after that... um, was kind of when I felt I started rebuilding myself and exercise was a huge 
mm. part of that for me. Um, so like running and swimming and going to triathlons and that. Um, but Which is completely natural because the endorphins yeah, and, and the, mental. The, the mental release. Yeah. And I, I, I was listening to a podcast recently which talked about the the physical containment of trauma. So when you experience mm. an emotional trauma, it's actually still contained in your body as though it's a scar mm. somewhere. You know, it's still like a physical scar from surgery. And one of the only proven methods of healing that emotional trauma is through exercise. Yeah, yeah. It's through physically moving your body. It releases where that negative store or scar has kept. And once you exercise it out, it it genuinely gets released from mm. from your body, from your pores, from yeah. your from your muscles, everything that's holding on to the tension. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's something that I think that we don't, we often use exercise as like a punishment. You know, mm. it's like you must exercise to look an ideal. Mm. Um, and we forget that it has, it's it's fight or flight. It's We've been given it as a way of running from danger and yeah. healing ourselves and, from and anxiety. And also the, the strength, like, you know, you feel strong and your mind is strong. Yeah. Um, and it was something that was really key because you think you can't cross the finish line and then you do Mm. and you've just proven yourself wrong or whatever it is you know you're you're constantly doing that um so that was um an important part as well um and then I kind of fell into the the not drinking by Mm. um we did like a a a month off it um off alcohol um in October and that was nearly three years ago now wow (laughs) so literally gave up for a month and was kind of like you know this is I could feel the benefits, um, anxiety-wise, um, energy-wise, like ridiculous amounts of energies, energy after giving up. Um, time-wise, got back lots of time. Mm. Um, it simplified life a lot more, just with planning um, and things like that. And just l- so many benefits that I didn't kind of even reali- realize. All I was kind of thinking about was like, oh, wouldn't it be great not to have a hangover? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like on a Saturday morning, um, but there were so many benefits to it, and and they outweighed the like the the positives of going out with mates for drinks. Um, so that uh, yeah was something I fell into, and then continued on with. As your children are getting older and heading towards the teens, mm-hmm. um, do you think that's going to be something that just creating an environment where they're not used to seeing you drink? Do you think that'll have an impact on? how they view alcohol or how they yeah I I hope so because I would have been um you know what I call like a a regular social drinker yeah yeah you know I would have gone out if I went out at the weekend I would have drunk uh I you know loved red wine um I I would have happily you know shared a bottle on a Wednesday night with somebody um it wasn't a problem to, to excess but um you know, very happily. Yeah. Um, and as uh, uh, most of us, I suppose, do. Um, so that was kind of the, the 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 baseline, I suppose, that I came from. Um, and would have grown up seeing my parents share a bottle of wine on a Saturday night and that. So so nothing extreme. Um, but I have had uh, interesting conversations with them, I suppose, since then. So I would have seen, you know, drinking as the norm and nothing wrong with it. And I kind of feel like I've um, had a veil lifted and have seen kind of the other side now. Um, so, yeah, I've had I've spoken to to them about it and just interesting conversations that that we have had. And I don't want to, you know, guilt or shame anybody. No, no, no. Like, I'm interested a, a in it. Bottle of wine at the weekend, but you know. Uh, 
we would have had like lots of family, you know, big family gatherings where everyone would, you know, gotten piled mm. through the bottles of wine uh, and said to like the kids afterwards, you know, they, they, they kind of said, oh, well, you know, adults change when they drink and, you okay. know, some of them get kind of scary. And it's not that they were uh, like uh, aggressive in any way. It was just that they were loud and different, you know, and they weren't used to seeing uh, mom or dad or without or inhibitions like holding that. them back um, as much so it's interesting what goes on in yeah. children's minds um, that you don't necessarily think about and you would have had to explore their minds and how they were I suppose feeling throughout this process mm. quite a bit um, and did you you know so you wrote the book you you're sharing this experience but uh, no doubt throughout it you're entirely conscious of the impact that this will have on them and mm-hmm. um, the fact that this story is out there that the experience of their parents ending their relationship mm-hmm. is now in black and white for them to yeah. always have a um an account of mm. but that other people have an account of too yeah and you know we talk of the you know you you're talking about sharing mm. parenting stories and the impact that that can have on children mm-hmm. how did you make the right calls for you and for your children throughout that process um yeah I suppose only time will tell whether Mm. I did Mm. um but I you know I talked to them before we even put pen to paper about the idea um and what I had planned and you know insofar as they understood it they were fine with it uh, now they haven't read the book I'm sure they will and when that happens I might get a different view but at the moment they're very proud of us and they but it was written incredibly sensitively and kindly you know there is no enemy in this book no absolutely and and you know Christian also writes part of each chapter and um, so it was very much a, a collaborative um, work and uh, you know each chapter that I wrote I had to sent to him you know for his approval and what he thought of it and, and whether my memories were correct memories um, did that bring you closer actually so in it no it was kind of it, it was kind of difficult because it, yeah. it resurfaced a lot of emotions and I think it in hindsight it kind of knocked him back a little bit um from you know where he was mentally um but having said that he won't admit it but he's very proud of it <laughs> uh, so I think it is I think it's uh, you know it's something that we did together it must have been though a very safe way of being able to tell each other how they experienced it mm. because you only know your side and you only know your pain and in the end of a break you know a relationship you're probably not communicating mm. in the way that you should so to actually recount and go back and say in that phase, this was how I lived it. Mm. And then the other person reading that, I'd imagine that's incredibly, like, maybe not yet, but in the long run, you can you can show empathy and you can yeah, maybe and you not blame. Understanding, you know, I didn't, I didn't know those things that he was feeling when, you know, I got back his little part or, or paragraphs on it. Um, you know, it was, it was a new insight to how he felt at that time. And instead of it ending and you moving on, holding on to anger, mm. you might hold on to a learning of 
how your actions impacted the other person. Yeah, and but I do. Th- I mean, it, it it's very unique. You know, people yeah. going through that are not gonna, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not gonna send each other. No, um, no transcripts of how they feel. Which is why um, I think it's an incredible case study. I'd mm-hmm. love to know actually in the long run how does it? Yeah. You know, do you both find a healthier level of respect mm. in the long run as parents? Yeah. Instead of you know, because as parents, you're always going to stay connected. Mm. Instead of moving forward and. Um, yeah, I'd like to think it has done that already. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say when you told him you were going to write the book? Uh, well, I asked permission. Um, I suppose we went for coffee and I said, you know, I've got this idea. And it had kind of just sprung into my head. And I was like, like that's, that's, that's brilliant. That's going to work. Like I just had the title, the whole premise of it. Uh, and I knew it was a good idea, but the hardest thing was going to be selling it to him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, ran it past him and... Uh, expected to be shot down, to be honest. Um, but he was uh, grand with it and agreed to participate as well. So, and the only the only um, caveat was that, like, I would send him each chapter as we go. Yes. He would get final sign off on on the book. So it was a real collaboration, mm. and it has had a huge impact. And it has, you know, it's been it's been well reported mm. that it's it's such a fantastic read for any parent for any person who is who is consciously untying the knot. Um, has that helped you to know that like people have responded to it and, and people have found real yeah. reward from reading it? Yeah, the messages I've got have been incredible and, you know, make me confident that I did do the right thing. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, you know, that was the resource that I was looking for in that dark time in Spain. And that is what people are writing to me saying, you know, I needed this or, you know, some aren't able to read all of it because it's so raw and close to the bone for what they're going through. But they're able to cherry pick things that are are, will help them. And also the main thing is that, you know, the, the, the hope that things will get better. And, you know, both sides as well, because I, I love that it's a story from, you know, the the both parents Mm-hmm. Um, so it isn't just a book for mums who were experiencing this or for dads who are experiencing this. It's for people who have created these little humans mm-hmm. and are consciously untying it. Yeah. Um, and so as a resource, it's something I think it's so fantastic that it's coming at it from both sides mm-hmm. because it, you know, it was the union yeah, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's breaking down. It will always be the two parents. So, yeah, however way that works out for, for each individual family, you know, you will probably be... Although you're untying the knot, you're still tied together, you know, by these children. So what have been your greatest, I don't know, and you may not have any, but what are the greatest learnings throughout this process and throughout this journey? And, you know, thinking of that woman in Spain in that dark, dark, dark moment, um, to anybody who's listening who is feeling that way right now, Mm. is there anything that you can share with them that might give them some light? Um, I think um, putting up your hand and asking for help is really important um, and you know we find that very hard a lot of us um, but you know in the, those initial stages you can't do everything so if you have a support network to help carry you then by all means use it and they will want to help you so they you know whether it's doing school runs or making dinners or listening to you and crying down the phone you know they they want to be able to do something for you so let them um 
I also think having, um, you know, hope and um, a vision for the future is really important. It doesn't mean your life has ended and everything's going to end up worse than it was before. Um, it's the closing of a chapter, but it's also the opening of a new chapter. And you may feel like you never will never get to that sunny place again, um, but you will. And most men and women who go through this do come out stronger um and find their you know their new light or you know their new place in the world um and have a lot more understanding for for other people going through similar issues as well um so i think it's really i think the whole you know it's it's bandied about a lot but the whole self-care thing is really important um and hope is really important and um getting support and did you connect with you know, we talk of tribes and we talk about finding like-minded people in, in the self-care space, because I think that's one of the most important things about self-care is actually like having physical and emotional connections with people who think like you and mm-hmm. want to do things like you. And so when you came home and you spoke of that feeling of like shame and have you worked through that to find people through any kind of communities or networks that um, are also recently, single parents really um and via writing the book I suppose that I've found those people but there are and there's lots of amazing um independent women uh creating all sorts of tribes and groups and you know the Frollo app um is coming to Ireland in uh, September and it's a way of connecting single parents so it's it's mothers and fathers but it's based on locality so um, you know, people speak of that there's there's um, a very special kind of loneliness that you feel as a single parent on a weekend. So when everyone else is doing their nuclear family stuff <laughs> and you and your children are, are at home and, and it's just you. Um, so to hook those people up, you know, in the playground on a Saturday morning or whatever is, is um, really key. Uh, and there's lots of those individual women and men around the country who just need to be put in contact with each other and find each other in their like towns and cities um so the Frollo app is is really uh, it's it's like a community kind of based app for for single parents so something like that is amazing um but there are um yeah lots of of people and and really breaking the stigma I suppose um of what it is to be a single parent Kate Gunn, thank you so much for joining me here today. It is a beautiful book um, and I I would really, really, really encourage anybody who is feeling like they're going through this, um, you know, the end of a relationship, there is there are no easy answers. There's, you know, there's no way, easy way to do it. But I think that we are all luckier because you decided to write this book and it is now in the world. So very kind thank Thank you you so much for doing that and um, I wish you all the best thank you so much thank you thanks for having me thank you for listening to every month the podcast we hope you're enjoying our series and would love to hear your feedback if listening on iTunes leave a review for us and subscribe you can share this episode on social and tag every month or join us on everymum.ie this series is kindly supported by water wipes Water wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.